Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Good morning. Our scripture today is from 2 Corinthians. I'll be reading from chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, and then we'll pick up again in verse 14. I'll read through verse 17. So we are always confident, even though that we know that while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. For the love of Christ urges us on because we're convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. My grandfather built the house at 230 Elliott Street in 1963. Uh, It's still sturdy and beautiful, but more than that, it has been base camp uh, for our family for 56 years. As a a child, we called this grandmother's house. This is my mother's parents. When my grandmother got old, my parents uh, retired early, left Atlanta, moved there to transition her to a nursing home, and then they cared for her there the last few years. And my mom and dad moved into what was grandmother's house. They lived there uh, until my mother passed away Uh, In 2010, my dad remarried, and now he and Laura live in what many of us still call grandmother's house that my mother's father built in 1963. Brendan and I were in the car talking recently about our upcoming vacation. We go to that house the Friday night before we leave Saturday on vacation in a caravan, And he was talking about uh, how special that house is to him. He said, I hope that house is always in the family. Our immediate family has moved around some, he said, but that place has always been part of our family and my story. And I'm glad glad that our family has a base camp, a, a center place for retreating and then going back into the world. But scholar James Dunn observes that the Apostle Paul's theology 
of being in Christ has this similar kind of base. He says, being in Christ is not any kind of mystical removal from the real everyday world. On the contrary, it becomes the starting point and base camp for a quiet, quite differently motivated and directed life. Being in Christ becomes the new orienting place, the new base camp, the new center to which we retreat and then go back into the world. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Base camp has changed. Two weeks ago, when the racial violence hit Atlanta, Joshua Scott and I hurried into this sanctuary, and we made a joint statement uh, about our pain and our hope. Together, our comments were a total of about six minutes, but in that little clip, I said that racism is at its core a theological issue. And so today, I want to expand on that a little bit, and I want to suggest that these verses in 2 Corinthians are at the heart of a redemptive theology. If we are in Christ, to use Paul's language, then we have a new base camp. We we experience the world from a different perspective. We do not consider others from the standard ways of reckoning. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation Base camp has moved. I've always loved uh, Frederick Beekner's image of the church. I'm going to read a, a part of his writing and listen for the evidence that base camp has moved. He writes A fat man drives by in his Chevy pickup with a cigarette in his mouth. And on his rear bumper, a sticker that says, Jesus loves you. There's a shotgun slung across the back window. He's not a stranger we've never seen before and couldn't care less if we ever see again. He is our brother, our father. He is our son. It is true that we have never seen him before and that we will probably never see him again. Just that one quick glimpse as he goes by at 25 miles an hour because it's a school zone. But if we can somehow fully realize the truth of that, fully understand that this is the one and only time we will ever see him, we will treasure that one and only time the way we treasure the rainbow in the sky or the ring we found under the rug after years of looking for it. The old woman with thick glasses eating popcorn sitting in front of us at the movies is our mother, our sister, our child grown old. And once we know that, once we see her for who she truly is, everything about her becomes precious. The skinny back of her neck, the way she puts her hand over her mouth when she laughs. Do you see? From now on, we regard no one from a human point of of view. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. It's shifted. 
In Richard Nash's play, The Rainmaker, the traveling self-promoter named Starbuck uh, travels around to western towns promising to bring rain to rain-stricken communities, drought-stricken communities, rather. He isn't exactly successful at it, and he moves town to town to hawk his services. And he goes to this town and begins to fall in love with a local woman named Lizzie, who, frankly, her best years are behind her. But there's this one scene where the usually swaggering Starbuck uh, becomes vulnerable with Lizzie, and he confesses to her that life always seems to disappoint. Life always seems to fall short of his vision. And he taps his head and he angrily says that the world outside never lives up to what he hopes. (laughs) This sounds like our current disillusionment every time we turn on the news. Well, Lizzie challenges him and says that maybe his frantic, rushing, self-absorbed life might be keeping him from seeing the world as it is and keeping him from loving it. In other words, you see, she's challenging him to move base camp. She tells him that on some nights when she's washing the dishes in the kitchen, she'll look out into the other room and see her father, her pops, playing poker with the boys, and she'll begin to watch him closely. And now I'm quoting At first, I'll just see an ordinary middle-aged man, not very interesting to look at. And then minute by minute, I'll see little things in him I never saw before. Good things and bad things, queer little habits I never noticed he had, and ways of talking I never paid any mind to. And suddenly, I know who he is. And I love him so much I could cry. And I want to thank God I took the time to see him real. From now on, we regard no one from a human point of view. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. If we look at people the same way the rest of the world looks at people, black, white, gay, straight, bulldog, yellow jacket, rich, poor, whatever, How is there any evidence that we are being in Christ? How are we new creations operating out of a new base camp, seeing the world differently because we are Christ followers? Hear Dr. Dunn's quote again. Being in Christ is not any kind of mystical removal from the real everyday world. On the contrary, it becomes the starting point and base camp for a quite differently motivated and directed life. Racism, sexism, it all starts with a bad theology. It starts with a base camp that is located in the world that our faith is trying to reorient From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. We see everyone first as made in the image of God. We see everyone 
in everyone's eyes, the shine of Christ's illumination of love for them. Once we see her for who she truly is, everything about her becomes precious. The skinny back of her neck, the way she puts her hand over her mouth when she laughs. In Barbara Kingsolver's book, Animal Dreams, she says, the very least you can do in your life is to figure out what you hope for. And the very most you can do is live inside of that hope. Not not admire it from a distance, but live right in it, under its roof. Well, our hopes for a different kind of world where peace reigns, equality is realized, personhood is valued, doesn't start with new legislation or codes. Racial healing changes when our base camp moves to live inside of our Christian hope, not to admire it from a distance. We heal and claim a new hope when we see the Christ light aglow in every special child of God. When in Christ, the woman sitting in front of us eating popcorn is our mother, our sister, our child grown old, regardless of of what ethnic heritage she represents. Race education helps. Legislation helps. Diversity Day helps, unless it's led by Michael Scott. That's an inside joke that some of you will get. Police training helps. None of this saves We don't need to be better trained, more educated, as much as we need to be saved. This is one of the distinguishing breaks of Jesus' message from the Jewish code. The Jewish law could be kept without anybody's heart being changed. Jesus said, you've heard it was said, do not kill, but I'm asking for a whole new base camp. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Don't just not kill. I'm upping the game. Don't even hate each other that much. Change your heart. You have heard it was said, do not commit adultery. Well, I'm upping the stakes. I'm calling for a heart change. I tell you, don't even look at her and study on it the whole time you're jogging five paces behind. Legislation, curfews, training doesn't mean anybody's heart gets changed. But what if, what if we stepped up to the challenge of Paul to the church in Corinth? What if we no longer regard anyone from a human point of view? What if, as Dr. Dunn said, being in Christ becomes the starting point and base camp for a quite differently motivated and directed life? What if we stopped and said, he is our brother, our father, he is our son grown old. I can't tell you how many times I've been watching TV in horror in the last few weeks. I am so disturbed by the violence, the lack of listening, the injustice, the pain inflicted. I want those people to act right. I want those people to act right. 
But the only real power I have is to audit my own soul, wondering if I am operating from a differently motivated and directed life. To challenge myself in the areas where I might still be looking from a human point of view. So would you take this challenge with me? Let's work on us. Let's work on building our muscles in this area. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. So let's try this. Don't get caught staring or it might get icky or threatening or something. But for a while, in public, find someone who is not at all like you and see him real, as Lizzie said. Someone rocked him and sang to him. Christ died for him as though he were the only person to die for in the world. God declared he was made in the very image of God. We no longer look at each other from a human point of view. Look real at someone who is not at all like you. Because once we see her for who she truly is, Everything about her becomes precious. The skinny back of her neck, the way she puts her hand over her mouth when she laughs. The world changes when we become a new creation. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, Come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.